Hey, 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 welcome back to season two of Is This Making Sense? Dialogues in the Pursuit of Wisdom, Balance, Leadership, and Everything in Between. My name is Eric Johnson. I'm here with Seth Gray, and uh, welcome back. Yeah, it's great to be back. Uh, We took a break, and the break was great. It was refreshing, and uh, I really enjoyed it, but I'm glad to be back here as well. Yeah, it was uh, it was much needed because uh, this podcast is very enjoyable. I've had a, a great time with you doing this and learning and growing and recording and just all the stuff that's come along with it. But at the same time, it is work. Uh, so to take a, a, a few weeks off has been, uh, or a couple months off at this point, has been pretty great. It was well needed. Yes, it has been nice because basically we're just ha- recording a conversation between the two of us and we like to put an effort to it and at the same time we one of our each of us uh, our pet peeve is not to blabber on yeah and talk about things that we really don't even have a, a grasp on yeah uh so we like to do a lot of preparing and um we needed a break yeah i don't want to add to the noise no I and there's a lot of noise out something there something meaningful so yeah it's been really nice to have a break today we're going to talk about though we're going to talk about moving the needle and that's kind of a phrase that you and i have uh, come up with it's basically... Uh, I wouldn't say we've come up with it. It's, yes, we haven't come up with it. Yes, yes. This is not our We've phrase. been using it. Yes. Uh, it's the idea of how do we convince someone to see our point of view, to agree with us, uh, to get on board with the thing that we're trying to accomplish, whether it's at work and you've got, you want everybody to follow your strategy, or you know there's something out there in culture and you want people to see it your way. Uh, and this is kind of a, an idea... Uh, birth from you and something you've really been thinking about. So uh, where did that come from? Yeah. So over the last six months with COVID and then all the civil unrest and any, and then, and, and you know, the, the upcoming election, all the different stuff, there just is so much right now uh, to disagree about these days. And I think every new thing that comes up is a chance for us to choose a different side. And so uh, the internet and social media, it's just, you're just, you're just, we're just heavy laden with so many, uh, highly opinionated people, uh, with very loud opinions. And, and here lately, I'm just wondering, I watch the way that people communicate and I wonder, okay, you're really trying to get me to see your point of view, but what you just said is, is moving me the opposite direction. So if you're, if your goal is to move my needle towards you, to move, to move me, to influence me, to have uh, your decision or, or to think your way, what you've just done has pushed me the opposite way, the direction. And I just think so many times, uh, how, how often is that actually true that in our, in our best efforts, or we think that we're trying to do the best, uh, to, to, to have influence on people, are we actually doing the opposite? And I, I wish, I wish we, at least there was a podcast or a documentary or something where a historian was breaking down the time period in which, Hey, we really moved into a, a season of just, conflict as, mm. a, as a society. I mean, granted, we've had conflict since the, the dawn of time. I get that. But it just feels like, um, and I don't know if it's just our access of feeling connected to everything, but it just feels like everything is is in a you, camp A, camp B mm-hmm. with everything. And you, every, you're always trying to get someone to your side. And it's never just a, hey, let's live in the gray area. Uh, let's live in the learning area. It just feels like we're constantly taking sides on everything. I saw a GIF not too long ago on social media, and it was basically one of those uh, it showed it showed something over the span of time, and so it showed the way in which uh, the Republican and the Democratic parties 
uh, and, or I guess I should say the Republican and Democratic senators and representatives voted on certain issues over the last like 50 years. And so it shows, you know, from the beginning, they they largely vote similarly, like both both camps voted similarly on different things. Uh, and then it shows you over the passing of time and years and years and years by, to, to where now it's they totally just vote 100 percent opposite of each other. It's 50 percent this way, 50 percent that way. And it's it's like you said, we're just all on our side and we can't we can't agree with anything from the other side, because you, if you do, you're kind of bowing to them in some way and you're losing. It's like it, it's what it really feels like that I can't give in one iota to the other side, if you want to call it that. Um, otherwise, I lose. And it's, I just I can't believe that one side has it all right and one side has it all wrong. I just can't believe that. So let me ask you a question. Did ha, Have you grown up being a bit of a peacemaker or being someone that's curious or being someone that's like, uh, not that, I, I, I would truly believe that whenever it's a, a certain viewpoint, there's got to be truth on both sides of the viewpoint, whatever it might be. So you, though, are very passionate about saying, let's come together. That's very peacemaker Ask, have you always been like that? Or are there certain issues or, or whatever it might be that you are staunch? I I was a you know we talked about strength burn being turned up too loud. My my mouth is is a strength of mine, but as a kid it was turned up way too loud. And you know, my mom would often say, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Um, so as a kid, I don't know that I was all that peacemakery. I think I was just a loud mouth, opinionated kid. Uh, but at the same time, I was not one that was ever looking for a fight per se. You know, a lot of people like to fight, whatever else. I didn't, I didn't like that. When things started to get uh, uncomfortable, I, I was kind of bowing out or whatever else. So I don't know that I was a peacemaker per se, but I will say that, you know, in the last 15 years, I really do feel like I always do kind of find myself in the middle wanting, wanting us to just get along. I know that's cliche, but I really am kind of that person. So I don't know. It's hard for me to think about as a kid, was I, was I really that way? But I do know in the last 15 years or so that, yeah, I'm certainly, I, I, I definitely want us to get along. <laughs> <laughs> I think a, a key word that you said there uh, at the very beginning that, that stuck out to me was influence. And it just seems like we are not seeking out influence when we're thinking about moving the needle. My question is, yeah, I think, do we really want to influence others or we do we just want to say our mm. viewpoint loudly and to those who already agree? Yeah. I feel like on social media, somebody will say some very one-sided thing or the other, real loud, real, uh, what's the word, flagrant is not the word, 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 like just, um, I don't know what, you know, just... Drop a grenade in there yeah, just to get attention. A heated thing, and so you get all these people, oh, hey man, you got it, man, Trump 2020, whatever it is, or, you know, go Bernie, whatever it is, uh, and if their desire, I th- again, I don't think their desire is to influence me in that direction. I think it's just to get a bunch of other people saying amen and, and to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when Echo you... Echo uh, chamber? Uh, yes, echo chamber. When you uh, inflame, 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 they want to inflame things. It's just it's inflammatory. It's like it doesn't do anything. Again, so this idea that do we really want to influence others, or do we just want to say our viewpoint loudly into those who already agree? Like you said, an echo chamber. I think when it comes to saying your viewpoint really loud, or trying, you know, your attempt is to try to get people to see things your way. I think it comes a lot of from a defensive position meaning somebody's hurt you or somebody has, has done something, so you've got to react equally as loud or louder because you're trying, you know, it's about it's about getting the ratings, it's about getting the audience, mm-hmm. it's about getting people to, to notice you. And I feel like th- there, there's a lot of different things when, when I think about moving the needle, whether it's moving the needle with my kids. Um, you said at one point a long t- uh, couple but at the very beginning of us recording, you said, 
the greatest amount of influence I'll have in my kid's life is the amount that they actually give me. And I think that's very important with your family and understanding how do I move the needle with my kids and getting them towards a certain goal or at work and, and those that I'm working around, or it's just in the, you know, cliche public square is, is, is how do I gain that influence? And for me, for me, I think it comes down to, and this is the reason I asked you that peacemaker question, are you a peacemaker? I feel like I'm more of a peacemaker. Um, and my, my thought is always to serve my way into people's lives. That's my creed. And, and when, as we were talking about this, or I was, I was thinking about our conversation that we we're going to have, I thought about your creed as well. And that is listen more, speak less. And that's the two things I think right now for, for me that allows me to move the needle, whether it's in my family's life, my work life, or in the public squares, am I serving my way into these people's lives? And then am I listening more and speaking less? Because I find that when I do that, I'm going to hear the person's heart and hear what's really going on that will allow me to then to speak into their life and maybe move the needle. Absolutely. And that's something I have in my notes to touch on a little bit later that I think is is critical that in any in any debate or argument or discourse, whatever you want to call it, that there's just not enough listening going on. There is absolutely not enough listening. You're only waiting for your turn to talk or you're listening you're listening in 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 a not objective way. You're listening to hear that one thing that you disagree with or that one thing that you need to pounce on. It's not like, oh, you're not listening to actually learn or to understand. Here's a funny thing. Um, one of the critiques that Hannah actually had for me, and I think maybe someone else maybe wrote in to us about this, was that you and I sometimes sound like we're not listening to each other. We're just waiting to talk. <laughs> and that's so funny because it's like we're trying to like have this conversation and present ourselves as having a conversation. But I think Hannah told me one time, she's like, you, you need to, your response needs to be like you're listening to him yeah. because sometimes you just respond and it's nothing to what he just said. No, it's hard too because you're on a podcast. You're trying to make. I'm trying to have as few edits as possible <laughs> as well because I'm lazy, yes. and so I'm trying to make sure the conversation keeps going. And so I'm looking at my next point. But yeah, you're. Yeah, it's it's it's. I think that just comes with some more repetition for us on on microphone. But but you're. T- but yes, all that to say, that is what so many people do. It's especially on the internet. Um, what one of the things that really brought this whole thing up for me was a situation. I'm trying to do this in a way that I don't share in a way that would hurt anybody or whatnot, but there was a situation, uh, with when the George Floyd stuff happened and, and I was near an organization that was trying to figure out how to deal with it. And I was listening, I, I was not part of it, but I knew somebody that was part of it and they were just listening to the way they were dealing with it. And they were trying to put together a body of people to start talking through it. And there are these people that just felt so strongly about, how, about the situation that, you know, about how black lives matter or whatever their, their stance was. And they, they were excited to be part of this group to start to try to influence the larger group. But the way in which they communicated was was moving the needle the opposite direction. It was like they were so excited, but it was like, if you didn't think like this, then how could you possibly think like this? Only idiots would think this way. And and we've got to do this now. It's it's we're already way too late. It's it's you know, it's it's all it's it, it, again, their, their desire is to see change, but the way in which they're communicating is alienating themselves from those in which they want to change. It was like they they have good hearts and they want the best but they're just what they're doing is the opposite of what they want it's it's the zeal that they have we have whatever it might be we have to realize and be self-aware that the zeal that we have doesn't resonate with everybody else mm-hmm. everybody else is not fired up i remember i used to work with this guy he loved professional hockey he loved the nhl he loved talking about it 
had no desire about hockey whatsoever. So as much as he would talk about it, he, you know, it wasn't firing me up. Sometimes our passion for something can fire us up, but sometimes that zeal can also push people away as, as you absolutely. just described. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I, that I put on my notes here is like, one of the things that turns me off is when people use the terms when they're hyperbolic, um, when they say always or never or all or none, when you use that in a debate, like all this or that, well, no, not all, there's no all, all yeah. Republicans do this. Like, no, that's, that's ridiculous. So as soon as somebody said that, I just kind of turned the whole thing off. And I feel like so many debates is all and never and none and always. It drives me crazy. Okay, so what you just said was what Hannah and I had a conversation about early on in our marriage where she came to me. She said, you, when we're having a, a disagreement, you can't say always and never in any of your statements because that's just that's just not fair and it's not true. And after she told me that, I mean, I, don't, I would say this was like less than a year into our marriage. That really helped us out a lot mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. We've, we've always gone back to that. You can't you can't say always. You can't say never. You can't use those m- massively uh, descriptive words that are not true at all. I think you, when you do that, you don't make room. You make it seem like you know everything. You don't make room for there being that one that is an outlier because there's always an outlier. You're exactly right. You're not making room for humility. Yeah, you're not making room for you know what? You're right. You're right. I'm wrong. And th- this this thought goes part and parcel with it. It's like, don't lump things or people together. Don't lump them together. Like, just because somebody believes this or looks this way does not mean that they are this or that. Like, you can't lump all this stuff together. And I think so oftentimes we just see this situation or that group of people or that activist, whatever it is, and they're all this way and they're all a bunch of idiots and they never this and they always that. And it just drives me crazy because those are human beings and they're not all the same. But I would say this. We as humans... We're entertained by the carnage. We're entertained by the, this person just got roasted in this interview. We're entertained by the dig. I mean, all the way down to my little boys. They're, they, they say, oh, you got burned. And, and here's, here's my, my analogy of it. You might have remembered this guy. Um, he's passed away since. But early on in the YouTube age, it was about 2004, maybe 2006, um, there's this guy named Kimbo Slice. And he, he passed away. Yeah, he's passed away. The boxer guy, yeah, or the yeah, yeah. fighter. Yeah, he passed away. I didn't know he died. Well, well, it, I'll fact check it in a little bit, and <laughs> I'll disclaim it, or we'll edit this out. But Kimbo Slice, he he made he made way on uh, YouTube where they would post all these street fights that he would backyard have backyard brawls, backyard brawls. Crazy. It was crazy. He'd pull up in like this SUV, and he'd have like this uh, white tank top on, and then like massive chain. He was just. This Big dude with his big beard. I mean, he he had presence he was about scary. him. And he'd walk into a backyard or it was a, a, a back alley or whatever it was. And there'd be all these, you know, sometimes there'd be like 20 guys. Sometimes there'd be just like 10. But then there'd be this other guy waiting for him. Not his size at all. You know, sometimes the guy was his size. Sometimes it wasn't. But here's this street fight that would just take place. And Kimbo Slice, massive presence, walk out. And they would just bare knuckles start fighting and the dude would in Kimbo Slice would eventually just knock this other guy out who really thought he had a chance as soon as Kimbo Slice knocked him out he helped the guy up pick him up it was no like anger but Kimbo Slice blew up on the internet 
CBS sees this and they're trying to capitalize on this mixed martial arts. You know, got the UFC kind of starting. You got boxing kind of going down. And here's this YouTube sensation, Kimbo Slice. So Kimbo was massive on YouTube. He was massive on social media. Everybody loved it. But the moment he got into an official ring, his ratings popped, but then they went down dramatically. His fighting, he couldn't handle fighting a professional uh, fighter, someone with rules and regulations, someone who truly trained. He could fight all these guys out in the street, just a regular street fight, and everybody loved that. But the moment he stepped into a real ring with regulation, he wasn't that great of a fighter. Uh, he got tired, and uh, actually the audience left. So why do I say that? Why do I bring up Kimbo Slice in that story? I feel like a lot of what we consume is street fighting. And the moment we would actually want to, quote, have a real conversation and really grow, it's like being in a professional ring. Mm. And that's not as entertaining. And people that are out there street fighting with whatever it is your view of things are, trying to send out on memes or comments or, you know, these things happen on social media a lot. The moment you like step into a, a quote professional ring and you're like, I want to have an honest conversation. I want to grow from you. I want to learn. Well, that's not as fascinating to people. That's not as in, engaging. That doesn't really draw the eyes that a, that a street fight does. Mm. And and that's what I, I think in some of our, our conversations that we really see in society is that we're not really interested in a a regulated argument, a a fair uh, fight. We, we just want the street fight. That's so interesting. I hope that, that makes sense. That. It, it does. Um, first of all, I fact checked it. He did. He died in 2016. That's crazy because yeah. he was a young man. But that was a, also the aura. No one knew really knew how old this guy was. He was bald, massive beard. He was scary. But, man. He was super scary. I hate I hate seeing bare knuckles stuff in backyards because it seems so hateful. But anyways, um, it's funny you say that because in pre- in preparing for this, I was looking up like facts about arguments or facts about debates. And I found this, this article about kind of like the, the tenets or I guess the rules or fallacies of logic. Essentially it's a list of like the, you know, a, a red herring in a debate or a straw man debate or uh, an ad hominem, these different rules in which uh, are these different attacks or uh, strategies that use in, de- in debate and how many of them are simply unsound attempts to make your point. Uh, and, and when you're talking about a street fight, street fight, I feel like all these fallacies of logic are in street fights. All these red herrings or attacks on people or these all, all, or, all or none or um, always statements. Those are all really unsound argument. Uh, they're all fallacies of logic versus in a regulated debate, which you would not want to watch. When you know if people that actually knew what they were doing that that acted civilized, it would be super boring. But it's actually where um, reason and logic and um, you know, information would come across. I think that's a really, really good way of saying that. As we, a lot of us are just really untrained, but we have this loud, we have this loudspeaker called the internet that lets anybody just be loud and, and pretty, pretty much idiotic. I feel like if we really cared about really wanting to grow, a station that would be blowing up in ratings would be C-SPAN. Yeah. If you ever go look at C-SPAN, they are constantly showing. Uh, things from the past, whether it's a presidential debate or they're just they're they're constantly showing things that make me want to grow, and and they show a lot of things that I don't agree with. But you know what? If we were truly a curious society and wanting to grow and wanting to to move the needle, I think one of the things that would be blown up is is C-SPAN. I, I think one one guy and, and granted these two gentlemen, I, I'm not speaking on their behalf or anything like that. I'm not even defending them, but. Two guys that I always felt like were always trying to help people move the needle in conversations. Larry King on CNN 
would have these hour-long conversations with one or two people at most. And he would ask them all sorts of questions. And I loved watching it. And and he would have everybody on there. And then another guy, Charlie Rose, uh, he was on PBS, and he'd have the just a Charlie Rose interview. And for me, growing up, watching watching these interviews, I learned so much because they would interview so many different types of people. Now, I know someone's going to be out there and go, oh, well, did you know who Charlie Rose voted for? And did you know this and that? Yeah. You, know, you know what? I No, I don't. Okay? But it, it was a day and a time in which true curiosity, the best way to say it, curiosity, happened in an interview format and was aired on television. I feel like I, you know, I learn a lot from uh, armchair expert, expert to armchair expert with uh, Dak Shepard. It's just conversations, and they're a bunch of people that I probably would not vote similar to, and they probably believe a lot of things that I don't believe. But just hearing them have a very open and honest and not um, um, aggressive conversation, it's just very open. There's no accusation, it's, and, and I just feel like I learn a lot because I get a different viewpoint. I see what you know, and I can. You, they kind of tell their life story in a lot of these these uh, these interviews, and so you kind of see where they came from and where where they got to where they are and why they would view. It. I, I feel like I just I like to hear people's st- story and pull out from pull out from it what I'm going to pull. I, I, I so I like that sort of thing where you have these longer conversations that are open and honest, and it's difficult to have long conversations it's difficult to listen to something for a long time uh, um when you're you're when you're wanting to grow when you're wanting to be curious and say maybe i've got it wrong and and that's the one thing that i'm always asking myself is well maybe i'm not seeing it the right way especially at work if, if we're discussing like a strategy and about how to go about something i'm at i, I try to ask myself well what am i not seeing how, how how are they seeing things? Because a lot of times we'll have something at work where it's like, I think we should do this. No, I think we should do this. And here's the third option. And you're, we're trying to find the best path. And we all want to do the same thing or, you know, accomplish the mission. But, you know, our pride gets in the way. We we do want people to do it our way. Or, or we think we were so fired up about our idea and our strategy that we don't take a step back, mm-hmm. listen, and, and try to see it from another person's perspective on the team because i guarantee you when i when that happens we're our body language is changing at work um our our the way in which we're reacting to someone or what we're saying back to them who's got a different take on something i guarantee gains influence in their life because they're like oh they're not just dismissing me right away they're 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 listening well if they're listening maybe i should listen to their idea as well yeah, I feel like you're reading my notes because I put on here, realize and be open to the fact that you could be wrong. Mm. Realize and be open to the fact that you could be wrong. So when somebody that you disagree with or that you have a history of disagreeing with is talking to you and you just want to tune it out or you're just waiting for that one little thing to bounce, bounce on, no, this person could be right. The other day, um, I had just presented some digital strategy initiative or some sort of thing like that and felt really good about it, had passed it through a bunch of different people at work, and it was going all, all going the right direction. And then I get a message from a, from a person that that is very sharp, but often likes to have their word in. 
And I, I just saw the, the title of the message, like, you know, it was like a little headline and I knew it was going to be kind of con- con- contrarian. And I was, it was literally, it was lunchtime. I had seen it while I was making my lunch and I had to put my phone down and say, Eric, this person is sharp. They know what they're talking about. They do like to be difficult sometimes, but you need to read this with an open mind. You've got to read this with an open mind. So the rest of the time I was making my sandwich, read this with an open mind, read this with an open mind, read this with an open mind. And I sat down and read it with an open mind. I didn't totally agree with it. Uh, but there were things in there that I did pull away and did implement as a result of trying to come at it with an open mind. But it's hard to do because you have those certain relationships with certain people where it is not always a peaceful relationship. They, you know, you're at odds often, but you cannot write them off. You cannot write them off because they may have the one thing that you really need. And plus they're a human, uh, but they may have that one thing that you're missing. And so if you're, if you're not open to it, you're going to miss something important. That's well said. That is really well said. And I think about this for myself is how am I opening myself up to hear from other people? Um, I heard a, a, a stat, a, a whatever you want to call it, and it, it's made me think ever ever since I heard this, and it's made me it's challenged me, and that's it. That is, on average, we really only search about six websites over and over. We, we have six core websites. There's some type of survey statistic. I'm not sure what it was, but we typically only go to about six websites, it really, when we're browsing the internet. And I thought about that, and I was like, oh, man, I, I think I am guilty of that. ESPN, Fox Sports, uh, and then maybe one or two news the, sites. The first page of Google. <laughs> yeah, Google. Yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. that first list yeah. of results Amazon. is. Amazon.com. Yeah, yeah. But but th- we really don't expand past that. So I really when I when I get on the internet and I'm, you know, browsing, wanting to hear, oh, I heard something, you know, was was on Twitter, you know, uh, trending or whatever it might be, I'll go and I, I'll I, when I'm trying to do that, I'll try to think, okay, what's what's another website that might have a different take mm-hmm. on this? And I've I've got to force myself to be curious. Yeah. I think it's important. I don't know if you you have this person in your life, Seth, but I I have a person in my life that often thinks different than me and he's very sharp. And so if I want to, if I really want to know how I want to, if I really want to get something debunked that I, that I really want to hold truthful and want to spread, I'll share it with my friend, Derek Wilson, because he is incredibly smart and he is unbiased in his pursuit for truth. And so, especially with all the COVID stuff or whatever else, I'm like, hey, I just read this headline today. I really want to believe this, but will you look look this up for me? He's a five on the Enneagram, so he loves looking stuff up. But find that person in your life that will not um, – what's the word? I <laughs> What's that, that will not feed you a line that will, that will, that will be honest and, and pursue. And so I, 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 instead of going to 11 different websites, I just let Derek do it for me. But he, he is, <laughs> I, I love, I've so valued it because he, because he's, it's often not what I want to hear, but it's what I need to hear. I love that. Put people in your life, put different people in your life. That that's a really good, good takeaway for me, uh, for me. And, and this is what I have, and, and this is where I'm kind of wrapping up and landing my plane, is that I've got to serve my way into people's lives. I've got to listen more, speak less, and then I've just got I've got to demonstrate curiosity. That's that's really what it if I'm gonna move the needle, I've got to also demonstrate curiosity. I, I want uh, I have I have one more point and then um and then two closing questions. So I think first, you know, in a lot of these debates, we just need to accept some fault. Like, I feel like we present ourselves as perfect in this debate and this, this, this somebody is throwing rocks at our, our, our ivory tower and they're just, you know, so except fault, we are all biased one way or another. We're all biased one way or another. And that's okay. 
Just don't kid yourself to believe that you're not because bias comes out of your desire for your, your own way. And we're all selfish. We all have some amount of bias and that's okay. We just have to be aware of it and open and honest with it. So, and that's how you can begin to listen more is understanding that, yeah, yeah, I'm probably going to be somewhat wrong in this situation. I need to figure out where that is. So you, that's a really good point. So, but you just refer, you said you had two questions. What were those questions? Okay. So closing questions, what do we have to gain from arguing our point? What do we, I want you to think about that. What do you have to gain from arguing your point? That's good. In this situation with this person in front of you, with the relationship that you have, what do you have to gain? And my second question is, what do we have to lose? What do you have to lose right now in, in whatever internet debate, whatever text that just came in from a family member or an email that you got from a family member that's some inflammatory thing about COVID or inflammatory thing about Black Lives Matter, whatever it might be, what do you have to lose from your response right now? And I want you to think about this. Choose not to respond. You're starting to write it out. You've got it all written. I want you to select all. I want you to delete it and say, oh, thanks. I'll check it out. Thanks. I'll look into this. Because what do you have to gain? What do you have to lose? More often than not, in this scenario, especially digitally, you have everything to lose. Because if your desires have influence over this person and maybe see eye to eye and maybe can move their needle your way, you're not going to do it by some chat on the internet. It's not going to happen. So just select all, delete, and say, hey, thanks for that. I love that. I love that. And, or, or if you're going to reply back, don't when you hit the reply button, erase the email address in the two. And then start to type, and then think about it, and then maybe delete it all. <laughs> delete it all. You know, it, you know, my, my boys play soccer, and one of the things that they drill into all the parents at the beginning of the season is, parents, if you've got a problem with the coach, if you've got a problem, you know, the coach is saying that you've got a problem with me, if something upset you, do the 48-hour rule. The game happened Saturday, Sunday, cool off, and then send the email. Absolutely. Because I guarantee, and, and they're like, you know, they're his, his, history's on their side. If you cool off, it might you you might see a different perspective. You you'll you'll be able to see the big picture, or you'll be able to be able more articulate. Absolutely. Rather than being hot headed, and I know that from experience. Not that I've sent coaches emails, but other people I've fired off emails to. So I that's that's a great great closing thought. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that the forty eight hour rule. Just just let it simmer. Let's let it simmer because human beings we get hot. And we want to send something out of out of anger, and it's just rarely ever going to be something good. I feel like I've heard stories about Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln sitting on letters, Barack Obama sitting on letters. I think Thomas Jefferson, his wife would would not mail things for him, stuff like that, where he just would protect their influence from sending something out of anger. So I think there's a lot of wisdom there. I love it, and and we really do, you know, hope that we are moving the needle in your life, and that we are influencing you to think about things differently and see things from a different perspective. So we do value value your time, and we're uh, grateful that you listened. Yeah, so um, share this with friends if, if they if think it would help them. Uh, like, subscribe, leave us a review, uh, and uh, we're just really, really grateful for you guys. 